January uh, 2nd, 2009, I just watched the USC Trojans defeat uh, Joe Paterno and the Penn State, uh, I forget what they are, Panther? I can't remember what Penn State is. But I just watched the Rose Bowl, January 2nd, 2009. I watched Mark Sanchez light up Penn State for 400 yards. It was a huge game. That game, I was sitting in prison, and I won three pouches of tobacco, three bales of tobacco on a bet. It was a long story, and it was a, it was a devastating loss for that other guy. Uh, they were actually, um, that USC team was so powerful, man. They were the only team to win three Rose Bowls in a row. And in that game, Joe Paterno was dying. And that was like one of his last games uh, as a coach. You know, he was, he was dying in that game. Oh, and Jim Sandusky, his assistant coach, was in the shower with young boys after the game. It was a huge thing. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Al Pacino played Jim Paterno in the movie. And uh, it was Brutal scene. Brutal scene. Two years later, the whole thing was exposed, 2011. And uh, Sandusky's sitting in prison. Joe Pow Pow, dead and sitting in a box. Uh, but two years prior to that game, a person or people named Satoshi Nakamoto had started writing the code for Bitcoin. Maybe it was in Japan. Uh, maybe it was in America. Uh, it could have been Elon Musk is the guy that did it. I wouldn't put it past him because uh, Elon... Musk plays a little bit more into this story a little bit later on. And a year later, after the Rose Bowl, uh, we're talking about January, um, was it January 3rd? Yeah, so January 3rd, 2009, um, they published, well, before that, actually, a year before that, uh, they published a paper uh, talking about Bitcoin, and nobody read it. Everybody's like, whatever, it's so stupid. Then 2009, a day after the Rose Bowl, uh, Nakamoto released the first version of Bitcoin software. And that's when you could have bought Bitcoin for, you know, a dollar or whatever it was, right? It was so cheap back then, right? But Nakamoto, the guy who made it, was a weird guy, man. He's a weird person or people, whatever it is. And this is kind of why Bitcoin, Bitcoin has done what it has done to people over time. It's really done a job at leaving people hanging for the past decade. You know, a lot of people are sitting around waiting for the Bitcoin million dollar hammer to drop and be worth millions. And then you can walk around and show off your iPhone and, uh, and tell everybody how great you were and how much of an early adapter you were, right? And you can just move on with life and, you know, not talk to us working peons, right? But... I say that anything that has an air of mystery like that during its conception is just going to leave you hanging in the end just as mysteriously as it starts. It's going to mysteriously go and disappear somewhere and leave you hanging. And it's happening now. Even though Bitcoin is at its highest it's ever been, I think, well, it's at 17,000, I think, on this, this day, 2020. Um, you know, and, you know, it just, it was just listed on a major stock exchange for the first time this month. And it has already crossed the $100 million uh, market cap, which is huge, right? The Bitcoin fund, look it up, right? But there's something else about Bitcoin that we need to talk about. Um, and I'm just going to kind of break it down for you with this story. You know, Bitcoin isn't that magic internet money that it's been branded to be way back in the day 10 years ago, way back in the day 10 years uh, there's no magic now because there's 
no dark forces causing it to behave the opposite of traditional markets. Like there's no algorithm that forces it to zig when the rest of the world zags, right? In large part, there are just a lot of freaks and weirdos and disenfranchised idealists and citizens of weird countries with untrustworthy central banks doing things that traditional investors think are crazy, like spending billions of dollars, actual real dollars on Bitcoin, or even creating small countries that only use Bitcoin for currency. Check out uh, the country uh, Liberin. Oh, what's it called? Um, Second, let me look it up. It's called uh, Liberland. Yeah, I was just reading about Liberland. Look it up. It only takes Bitcoin for, for currency, right? Actually, what's crazy is that Pit PayPal announced this month that it's having its own entry into the cryptocurrency market. Basically, what PayPal is doing is they are going to create vendors, special vendors that are just on their PayPal network who will take cryptocurrency as payment. So the PayPal customers will be able to use their Bitcoin to shop at these merchants that are in this PayPal network. And if you're PayPal, Elon Musk, right? See the connection? If you're a PayPal, you know, you start this network, uh, you're gonna do a lot of marketing. You're gonna have a lot of connections over the years, right? So you're just gonna go out there and do some sales and get people, you know, using, uh, accepting Bitcoin. And that's gonna start at the earliest next year, 2021. PayPal's on top of it. What really intrigued me in the beginning about Bitcoin, and I gotta say right now, I, I am not a person that owns a Bitcoin. I didn't buy into it. I just look at it as a multi-level marketing that will one day crash. But what really intrigued me about Bitcoin is that nobody knew who created it. Well, they knew the name, some video game name guy um, named Nakamoto. But no one had seen this person or guy or people or entity, whatever. And that's what really got me looking into Bitcoin and then looking into how Bitcoin has altered the lives of people and made people live uh, a different way, contrary to how they are. It's kind of like how Bitcoin is. It is an ordinary money and visa and everything. It's Bitcoin, right? But first, let's start off with some basics, all right? I, I want to figure out and I want to dive into reasons why, you know, nobody knows who Nakamoto is, right? But the basic facts are Satoshi Nakamoto could be a person or a group or anything capable of producing the foundation for a sophisticated, decentralized mechanism of value transfer between parties with no government interference. Nakamoto could be one individual, okay, we know this for sure, or it could be an entire team of developers named Nakamoto, or it could be anything in between. At this point, that's all we know about Nakamoto, is that it's something. But why would someone or a group of people wish to remain anonymous after creating probably one of the no, it is. After creating the greatest, uh, you know, currency invention probably since Interact, right? Probably since that. Probably since probably since Interact, nothing has affected you know how we spend money 
or how it has influenced us to, you know, be part of money more than Bitcoin. So why would you want to be, why wouldn't you want to stand up and say, yeah, I'm the guy, you know, do some parade wa wags, you know, waves, walk down the street. Yeah, I'm the guy, right? Every time someone sees your ID, oh, you're the Bitcoin guy, right? Here's some, here's some things that I thought of along the way. Nakamoto simply wanted to get the invention out of his hands and into the hands of the public, but didn't want to take credit for its creation. Right? They may, or he or they, I'm going to say they from now on because it's Nakamoto. Who knows what it is? They may have viewed Bitcoin as something that would you know, benefit the world tremendously and they wanted it to be free and available to everyone. Okay? So that's a simple one. Two, you know, the person or people, they simply enjoy more privacy, more privacy than they do company. They're private people. They don't want to have people bumming, bumming Bitcoin off them. Have you ever seen uh, the Lord of the Rings movies? You remember how at first Bilbo Bagley or whatever, Bilbo was extremely agitated by visitors and he preferred to live a totally secluded, quiet life. That could be Nakamoto. It could be simply just that. He enjoys his privacy and doesn't want to disturb that routine. It's like me. I'm the same way. I like my privacy and I like to be left alone most of the time. Number three reason why he might be anonymous. Like anything in these days, like even if you're rich and walking down Mexico City streets, man, you can feel fear for your personal safety. And, you know, by remaining, remaining anonymous, he has chosen to optimize their security by using an alias. So Nakamoto might not even be his real name. Could be some, you know, secret, dark, you know, financial agent out there looking to cause chaos with money. Doesn't like money. Right? Look, I don't mean to be dark. But if you go and invest, like, just think about this, right? I don't mean to be like a dick right now. Not yet in this, in this podcast. But, you know, if you go and invest, you know, your life savings into Bitcoin and you lose it wouldn't you want to go to the person you know that created all this and say hey what the hell can i have a word with you please i think i need to speak to nakamoto where is nakamoto i need to speak to them there is no nakamoto what 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 if he came out and it was just giant just killer in a robot suit like jeff bezos in a big robot suit come out like robocop I am Nakamoto. What's up? Um, I just lost, you know, $25,000 in Bitcoin. I'm wondering if I can get it back. I mean, think about all the people who have lost money in Bitcoin. Or all the people who have been scammed by other people under the name of Bitcoin. Right? Bitcoin has been a terror. And if I was the guy that that invented it, I would be scared too. It's messed with a lot of people's lives and a lot of people have been ripped off. They'd be seeking revenge on you. You're the guy that made the coin. You know, it's crazy. It's kind of like, you know, it's crazy. It's craziness. Anyways, number four, uh, 
Nakamoto, Nakamoto is actually just a moniker for either a government or a private agency of some kind that really is just looking to disrupt world order. You know, particularly that of the financial sector. You know, think about all the countries that hate America and hate Canada because of our lifestyle, right? And know how much money means to us. And if there was some way we could get in there and disrupt their lives, their way that they make money, etc., you know, wow, we would get them. Like, imagine if it was eventually revealed that, you know, the Taliban, <laughs> I don't know, is the Taliban still around? If the Taliban created Bitcoin just to wreak havoc on Western finances or, you know, Korea, North Korea just said, ah, you know what, we're going to create this Bitcoin. They, they own so many Bitcoin, North Korea. They're one of the biggest um, holders of Bitcoin in the world. I don't know the exact number, but they're huge in Bitcoin. You never hear the end of it if that's how it was. Right? Never. It would be one of the biggest news stories, you know, out there in the 21st century. But this is what these people know, right? This is what these people know, is they know that if they expose themselves, that they're going to be on the hook. Right? I, I, I really don't know any other reasons why Nakamoto would want to remain anonymous. But, you know, I think that my four maybe cover one of those answers, but we'll likely never know the reasoning behind their decision to go anonymous. And I believe that in my lifetime, uh, we're never going to know the true identity of who started the Bitcoin. To me, I always look at the criminal element of everything. It's just my nature. I always think that there's a criminal or a crime involved somehow. You know, to me, Bitcoin is like the equivalent of Lex Luthor trying to take over the world, right? You know, money is the ordinary people. Like, we we are the money. We're just ordinary people trying to stay relevant, you know, like money is trying to stay relevant. Superman is, you know, Visa, MasterCard, Interact, you know, iRetina scan, you know, chip under the skin that you swipe that's coming to save us or free us from caring shit. You know what I mean? It's all... You know, there's all manipulation. There's all some reason out there and some way that they are trying to control us. And Bitcoin seems to be this next little form of control mechanism. You know, Bitcoin is against the traditionalist idea of commerce. And, you know, although it's not universally embraced, people do understand that it will one day be as legit as, you know, your credit card. Right. So there's a ton of FOMO out there around Bitcoin that makes and creates new customers, you know, out of our solid coin carrying people, right? Turning coin carriers into Bitcoin hopers and dreamers, right? Bitcoin could also, come to think of it, be remaining anonymous because, like I said, they don't want to be killed. You know, governments have done worse to better people over the years. Look at Avicii, <laughs> DJ Avicii, discovered a child pedophile ring that he was about to expose it on social media before he got murdered, he got killed, OD'd, he got killed. Joan Rivers, right, said that Michelle Obama was a man weeks 
before she died on an operating table doing a routine thing she's done before she died oh it was a mistake jeffrey epstein how much did he know about clinton and how you know bill clinton loved getting his rocks off with his ki with kids and orgies after massages you know where's he dead Right? If you do anything to alter the regular course of life that the New World Order has created, the so-called Illuminati, then you die. It's simple. Or you go to jail for a long time. Look at the, uh, the Silk Road founder, Ross uh, Albright. He's doing a double life sentence for exchanging Bitcoin for drugs. With, and he's got no parole. He's in life. That's two life sentences gone for drug dealing. What do you think he knew? He wasn't just a drug dealer going to jail for dealing drugs. He knew more. He was exchanging Bitcoin. Like, you know, what about, you know, all these pedophile sites that still take Bitcoin to this day? These sites are up and running, you know? Why, have, why haven't they been shut down? You know? What's, what's hard is that it was the states. And the, and the states had associated Bitcoin with Silk Road. Right. And Bitcoin was like, uh, you know what? Silk Road's all about drugs and we don't want to be known as the drug money currency or the drug currency. Right. So someone had to get him out of the mainstream. Right. So they could either kill him or send him to prison and they must have liked him or he must have had some secrets buried or something. But he got a double life sentence. That's it. Right. But even the pedal sites. Why haven't they put warrants out? For the rest of the people who are spending Bitcoin on pedophile sites and on disgusting videos about kids. No deaths, you know? Why? It was big, because it's power. It's all a power move. Vancouver Connection, James Ellington, who's a Vancouver Connection to Silk Road, was uh, arrested, but they were trying to extradite him to the United States, to the Southern District of New York, which is a really bad place to get caught up. But they were trying to extradite him for using Silk Road. Still trying to do that, right? He was using Silk Road, using Bitcoin. To, this is over, Silk Road is done, but they're still trying to take him down. He was one of the biggest guys that used uh, Silk Road. Like he was one of the biggest customers. He made millions, I think, off of Bitcoin. He used the name uh, Marijuana Is My Muse. That was his uh, Silk Road name. And under that username, allegedly, he was a very prolific drug dealer. Get this. This guy, through using Bitcoin on Silk Road, sold 19 kilos of marijuana. Right? He sold 7 kilos of MDMA, 4 kilos of meth, 2 kilos of cocaine, and 100 grams of heroin, of heroin to a multitude of different purchasers. And he was paid by Bitcoin, allegedly, in an amount that exceeded, check this out, $2 million. You think they like that guy? They want him bad in New York. If they get him, he's in big trouble. He's going to go to jail, sitting right beside... Um, the other guy for life. It's the way it goes. You're bucking against the system and you're going to pay.
So if you've bought into Bitcoin or you haven't bought into Bitcoin, whatever, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin boom. Well, let's first look at if you have bought into it and let's just focus on if you have. All right. And let's focus on how the Bitcoin boom or bust, for that matter, really affects our lives. You know, number one thing that Bitcoin I've noticed has done is it creates division. It separates people. It makes people judge other people. Why didn't you? Why did you? So there's judgment on both sides. Oh, you bought into that? Oh, you didn't buy into that? I was smarter than you. I bought into it. Oh, you were an idiot not to buy back then when I told you. If you've known anybody who has Bitcoin, they've said that to you. Oh, you should have bought in back then when I told you. You're an idiot. Well, yeah, well, you're an idiot for waiting for your $100,000 Bitcoin to, to produce. Dreamers and scammers and liars. <laughs> it's all it's created. It's divided more. Bitcoin has divided more families than Donald Trump. And it has more shameless, phallic, greedy people attached to it than, you know, a year-end meeting of the Gordon Gecko Fanboy Club. Right? It divides you. It makes you choose a side. And I didn't like that. The other thing, it's created uh, some pretty slimy moves. You know, the war for one world cur uh, currency is gross. Right. Governments are looking to do the same thing that Bitcoin has been trying to do since 2009, and that's eliminate cold, hard cash. It's created a, a uh, economic pandemic. What better way to control absolutely everything in the modern world but to own the money and to follow the money trail? If you are able to follow where people spend money then you know how to control them, right? You can, if you control the money and take money out of, her, out of the world, you eliminate criminals and drug dealers. You defund civil wars and take the power out of hands of thugs in the underworld. You know, if you accept Bitcoin and we eliminate money, there's no more under the table exchanges for money or favors. Right? Drug businesses would be completely legal. Drug lords, you know, selling off real estate and sending kids to school for cocaine horticulture courses. You know, it would change if we just eliminated the cash and when the government took over everything. Imagine sending your kid to school to learn how to grow cocaine. You know, one money or one currency, one world currency means more money. One money means more money, right? That leads to universal income and people spending time mining Bitcoins. Which, of course, will be one day controlled by government. Right? So, we're only allowed 21 million Bitcoins right now. But in the future, if Bitcoin runs the world, then there will be jobs mining Bitcoins. Imagine that. So now you can work for a company that just mines and that's what you do. Right? One thing about Bitcoin is it has kicked the bald eagle in the balls, right? And if you look at the history of Bitcoin, which I've been looking at, in January 2009, when it started, the Bitcoin was worth nothing. <laughs> it took over a year for it to be worth 0.003 cents, right? 
And finally, about two years later, in February 2011, it became parity with the U.S. dollar. So one Bitcoin was worth one U.S. dollar. Uh, the first bubble happened in June of that same year, 2011. Uh, it went to it went all the way up to $31. And then suddenly did a drop to $2 right after. And it stayed around, hovering around that mark until April 2013, where we started to see it climb. It went from 266 to $1,242. Then in 2017, it went to $2,000 and $4,400 and $5,013 and $6,180 and then $8,100. And then finally, December 17th, it went to $17,900. And that's when everybody started talking so much crap. That's when everybody was like, oh, you should have invested. You should have invested. You know, you're a sucker. I'm going to be rich, blah, blah, blah. And then it started to plummet. And from 2017 all the way up until probably just earlier this year, uh, in the midst of our pandemic, it was horrible. People were hating their life. They were ready to commit suicide because their Bitcoin is worth $2,000, $3,000. Like, and they hadn't sold. And oh, they bought it when it was high and now it's low. Well, it got they got lucky because in July 2020, just this last year, a few months ago, it finally skyrocketed up to $10,900. And then once again, this month, October 2020, it got up to $16,000. I think right now it's about $17,000. Right? It's had this roller coaster lifestyle. It's unstable. It's made people depressed and sad, and people have sold out, and people have bought in and paid everything, and are holding on, living in poverty, but hoping that their their Bitcoin bails them out at some point in their life. You know, the American eagle does not like the Bitcoin being stronger than their dollar. When you go up against the eagle, it's like a Rocky movie. Okay, Rocky IV was a good example of the American machine. Remember Rocky IV? Rocky was the champ in number four. Okay, he came in the champ. He was the eye of the tiger. He had it, but he wasn't in kill mode. Remember Creed got killed by Drago? And that sparked the flame in the war machine. And Rocky went in, training in Siberia, went after Ivan and took him out. Right? This is what Bitcoin did to the American dollar. It kicked it and woke it up. And now we have pandemics and weather disasters and fires and wars and Trump and Trudeau and everything is in chaos only for the American dollar to come on in and fix it all. Restore the faith of the people in the flag. It's a common takeover and control tactic. Nazis. 9-11, ISIS, COVID, fear for control. Bitcoin preaches freedom with your money. But how is Bitcoin free when someone can flick a switch and disconnect you from your fake money? <laughs> how is that free? You're basically trying, you're, you're basically trading in one Trump for another. It's the same thing. You take the Trump out, put another Trump in. You're still in the same spot. In America, power is the, in the currency. You know, money is the carrot on the string. 
right? But the game that these governments play is never about money. It's a bigger game than you and I play. It feels like it's about money, but it's not. It's a game of risk, you know, chess, checkers, anything that requires moving inanimate people across the board and controlling and dominating the other. It's always about power. Meanwhile, over on the other side of the world, China has continued to develop a digital yawn with reports out of China suggesting that they're going to launch a cryptocurrency yawn. They're pushing towards a fully digitalized version of its own currency, something that might see global trade move away from the U.S. dollar and to some degree has led to growing calls over recent months for the U.S. to issue a digital dollar themselves. But like the U.S. says, nah, it's at the early stages. Maybe, maybe not. China knows. It's about power, man. It's about keeping control of the people and not letting them do things that you don't want them to do. What makes Bitcoin so bad for us is the fact that once again, we have been pushed to take sides. Sure, okay, it's worth 17000 And how do I know this? Because my buddy who has Bitcoin flashed it in my face the other day and told me about it. And this is the problem. It seems like to me, Bitcoin people are on another planet. They get up in the morning and the first thing on their mind is where's their Bitcoin at? They secretly are watching the stock markets and the world and they're hoping for financial failure. They're hoping for a collapse of our economic system. They're the guys who short stocks and brag about betting on the demise of others. Sure, we all know some good, you know, quote unquote, good Bitcoin people who have the best intentions and aren't bad people at all. But deep down inside, and I'm talking to you, the Bitcoin owner, deep down inside, you are as evil as Dr. Evil on the most evilest day of the year. You secretly want to push it in our face and fault us for being slow and stupid. You secretly want to be right and you want to run the world. And I'm telling you, people who own a lot of Bitcoin, like those people, like the twins from Facebook, the Winkle, Winkle, whatever, and other people who have bought billions and billions of Bitcoin. If Bitcoin ever takes off and becomes as much as it's supposed to be worth, you will see New tyrants being born. The guy uh, who owns Virgin. Big, big time Bitcoin. You know, countries have bought in big time Bitcoin. Because they hope that if Bitcoin finally comes off and they have trillions of dollars in their Bitcoin bank, they will be able to be as big and as powerful as America. But here's the thing, truth is, who really cares, right? And I mean this in a life thing, and I'm gonna take Bitcoin out of it. You know, the trick to life is not to care so much about whether or not someone is better 
or less or even equal to you. Right? You need to stop placing this kind of comparison on others and on yourself. It's hard enough to just be yourself today and never mind trying to keep up with the Joneses. And this is what Bitcoin has done. Bitcoin has created fractions, factions of people, sorry. And these people that is created, you know, a lot of the time are people who really have nothing to talk about and really aren't interesting. And the only time they ever get a chance to really gloat or talk about things that they've done is when Bitcoin jumps up a couple hundred bucks. Like I always say, confidence is not walking in and thinking you're better than everyone else. Confidence is walking in and not comparing yourself to anyone and not caring. You know, and when you invest in a thing like Bitcoin, sure, it's a great investment, perhaps. And one day, yeah, it might hit that big scale. But do you want to have that sort of thing in your life? Do you really want to have something in there that makes you take a side of a bunch of, you know, guys that are just looking to be powerful? Comparison, honestly, if you if that's what fucks you, like if you go in and you're like, oh, you know, you know, I just want to be rich and I want to be, you know, I want to you know, I want to own someone and I want to boss someone around. I want to have a wife that listens to me and does what I tell her and, you know, all these things, right? You know, if you, you, know, you see someone that's rich with the Bitcoin and you're like, I want to be that. I want to be that. This is the most dangerous way to live. Comparison is the worst thing you can do to ruin your own self-perception. You even look at like social media, Instagram and all the other socials. They're all evil when it comes to telling you what to be and what to do. They're like some old Italian mom telling you about yourself every day of your teenage life. You're going to get self-conscious. You're going to get beat up. Look, I went on a rant again, but I'm going to sum it up with this. Bitcoin is here. And it's not going anywhere until it completely falls apart, which it's probably not going to happen. And whether you choose to invest in it or you choose not to invest in it, that's completely your decision. But please stop the comparison and stop. Look, one day Bitcoin might take off and become that magic internet money it was supposed to be. And it could run the world. But what I'm trying to say to you is in life, just like in Bitcoin, Look at the origin and look where people come from and look how things are done behind the scenes, you know, in front of the scenes, whatever. Take a minute to really stop and look how things are presented to you. And if you ever see any kind of shadiness or you see anything that doesn't feel right, you have to walk away from it. This is kind of the secret to living a long life, but it's also the secret to living a happy life. Look, we have enough things dividing us in this world. And I would urge you to really rethink when you go to take things on. Do your research and look at the origin of everything and where things come from. And when people become involved, where do they come from? And who are they? And are they anonymous or are they out there? Right? 
you know, it's important if you're trying to really stay focused and balanced in your life that you know where you're going, but most of all, when you're getting involved with things, know where they come from. Because I'm telling you, the Bitcoin, average Bitcoin owner has rough days. And even though they may have some more money doing other things, there's always that constant wonder in their brain about their Bitcoin and if it's ever going to do anything for them. And, you know, if that's how you choose to live your life, you have to choose to live with the consequences, which could be health. You know, it could be, you know, depression. It could be, you know, extreme happiness followed by, you know, extreme sadness. Like what's weird about Bitcoin is that you get it, you bought it at $1,000 maybe, and then it goes up to $10,000. Well, when is that enough? Why don't you sell it? You've made $9,000 profit, right? But they don't because they choose to live that life. They choose to want to sit there and stress about their money because so it makes them feel good. And if you enjoy that, then go buy Bitcoin. If not, then just be normal. Keep your credit card, save your money. If you don't care about banks, save your money in a shoebox under your bed. Right? Or put your money to work for you somehow, right? But please, if you're trying to just be a relaxed individual, stay the fuck away from Bitcoin.